This is Your Own Best Company, a podcast and community for creative people who value and enjoy working alone. Welcome, everyone, to uh, Your Own Best Company. This is a podcast for people who love working alone. Um, I'm really delighted today to introduce you to Cheryl Benedict. Um, Cheryl is a transition consultant and an author uh, here, based here in Colorado. And um, we were just talking about uh, the, the risk of bears in your driveway. <laughs> <laughs> she had to have some tires replaced because some bears ate her tires. Now, if you're planning on moving to Colorado, I want you to keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Cheryl. Thank you very much. Now, the the company that you have uh, formed is called Morph Consulting. It's a transition consultancy. Can you talk a little bit about uh, what a transition consultancy is? So, uh, I'm I would language myself as a leadership consultant, executive coach, who has had probably thirty years experience in change and transition. So. I don't necessarily go into an organization focusing on change and transition. It just seems that everyone is up against some kind of major change. And then the internal process that ensues, I refer to as transition. And you work with all kinds of organizations and individuals, I should say, um, who are at various stages of transition. Um, I had an opportunity to read a little bit of your book. I haven't been able to finish it yet, but one of the things that I really uh, was struck by in that was that you you brought up the very apparent fact that life is just basically a transition. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think th there's a lot to be said um, about you know the different ways that people adjust as transitions are unfolding. Um, in fact, I think that that's probably what I'm getting the gist is that your book is primarily about those adjustments that are made emotionally and otherwise. Can you talk a little bit about um, if people are going through a transition, what are some of the things that they can expect to go through? So when there's been a major change that's thrust upon you that you didn't ask for, it typically triggers this internal response called transition, which we mentioned, but transition always begins with an ending and then ends with a new beginning. But my experience is you can't just sort of blithely go from the ending to the new beginning. There's terrain you have to travel. Right. And, and so the ending often is the sense of, wow, um, life is never going to be the same again. I'm never going to be the same again. I don't have a clue what it's going to be, but I just know I'm on the merry-go-round or I'm on the, the um, roller coaster now. And so, so in my experience, the ending often goes to a place of shock and then denial and then, then often a sense of anger. Like, I didn't ask for this. This isn't fair. Blame, wanting to cast dispersions at anyone else so you don't have to have the ending fully land. And then a sense of worry and sadness. And But then I, but, but my experience is most people will drop into what I refer to as the in-between zone. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And that's sort of out time out outside of time and space. And it's very much a sense of immersion and a sense of, okay, wow, I need to gather myself in. Who am I now? What matters to me now? Mm-hmm. What do I want to keep? What do I want to let go? But when we're able to accept the change, then the the I think the magic begins and we move back up the back up the graph through acceptance and exploration, new insights, discovery, until we're fully back in the new beginning and with a renewed sense of purpose and the fog is lifted and it's a sense of, wow, that was something. I was going to mention that on your website for the book, I believe, you do have some diagrams that people can refer to that kind of show the going down into the into the bottom and then uh, being in the bottom for a little while and then coming back up again. Um, it's, it's interesting to me that the, there are so many parallels between the stages of grief that Elizabeth Kubler-Ross exactly. um, talked about in her work. Um, and I think one of the things that's interesting to me is that a lot of people are surprised that even in positively perceived transitions, that there's the same kind of a pattern that happens. Can you speak to that a little bit? I'd love to. So when I moved, we talked about this briefly, but when I moved from Dolores, Colorado to Evergreen, Colorado, I I was on the phone with a client and and I just noticed I wasn't on top of my game and I was delighted about the move. I was the one that found the house. I was I was all in. Yeah. But I noticed when I was on the phone that I couldn't go as deeply often Often I can really feel someone through the phone and I couldn't. And I remembered having this moment of panic, like, oh no, what's happened? And I realized, Cheryl, you're in transition. Nothing is familiar. Um, Yes, you love this home, but you haven't really settled in yet. You haven't really put down roots. You're still kind of adrift. And so... I reassured myself that I would fully return back to my normal, intuitive, empathic self Mm -hmm. and not to worry. Because what I think we do is we make it worse by wondering what's wrong with me when when it it feels as if we're only operating with about 60% of us, because 40% of us is pretty subsumed still with the change. And um, that can be deeply disorienting wondering, wow, do I have early onset of Alzheimer's? Like, seriously, what is wrong with me? Memory loss, forgetfulness, mm-hmm. harder to concentrate, harder to focus. And uh, that's why I wrote the book. I just, I never again wanted anyone to be going through transition thinking, what's wrong with me? Yeah. I wanted people to understand that all of this, you know, all of this physical, emotional, psychological upheaval is par for the course Mm -hmm. and something about being able to own it, accept it, uh, engage in creative endeavors that remind you who you are, bring you back to your center, your source really help. So are there times when people are in the midst of this and they get stuck in that downward trend and they don't, um, they don't get to that place of acceptance and uh, that, that outer, uh, that outer space kind of thing that you were describing in those situations, what are the things that lead to them being stuck? 
uh, I would say, excessive watching of media. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I watched that during COVID. Yeah. I probably coach close to 85 people a month. And I would watch someone reading something or hearing something. They'd move to acceptance. They were moving up. And then, boom, they were mad mm-hmm. or wanting to blame you know, the labs in Wuhan are wanting to, they were getting caught in the trigger. And the trick, what happens with a trigger is that it moves us from our normal cognitive rational brain back to the reptilian or the limbic brain. And what happens is then we perceive everything as a threat and we're in kind of a fight, flight, freeze kind of mode. And so when you're doing that, it's pretty hard yeah. to to have your wits about about you. So I would say it's not a linear process, but rather you get to acceptance and you do your best to stay there, but then boom, something happens in your back. So just like anything else, I think it takes emotional intelligence, yeah. self-awareness, being aware. How how much news can I actually take in hmm. to where I feel informed versus feeling overwhelmed and triggered? What are the news sources that I feel are actually trusted? and not just inflammatory and clickbait. So I would say that for me, I've had to largely take a vacation from news because it just doesn't seem to serve me well. I can get back over on the left-hand side of the the diagram and then I'm no good because as as an executive coach, I'm only as good as as what I can bring. So I have to see myself a bit like a vessel like it's kind of a sacred thing sacred covenant i've made with myself to be present and uh, um fully there for whoever i'm with that's a wonderful way of saying it um i have felt that in my own work as well um this podcast is directed to people who generally Work, want to work alone. They prefer working alone. They love that lifestyle of solitude, creativity, and uh, you know, the ability to to just have a lot of autonomy. Um, however, there are a lot of folks that I've worked with as a coach who have had a lifelong dream of being a freelance writer or being um, a designer or being, you know, some kind of a a creative specialist and when they get there um, many of them will come to me a year into that transition and they're just shattered because it is so unlike what they imagined it would be and I wonder if you could speak to that a little bit in terms of how um, how we how we walk the the plank between um, imagination and reality uh, when we're going through a transition like this, especially in the in light of uh, a person who's you know carrying a dream into uh, a more manifested place, uh, what? Tell me a little bit about what would be behind that uh, that adjustment. I'm <clears throat> I'm only going to be able to speak from from really my own experience, but but. I felt an actual call to write the book, mm-hmm. almost like a spiritual call and a sense of urgency about doing it, heightened yeah. sense of urgency. So 
I'd never written a book before. I didn't have a clue. So I just devoted, I, I switched my work around so that I was working 12 hour days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I devoted to writing. Mm. And, and it took five months to write the book. Um, honestly, it resulted in a emergency surgery, perforated ulcer, almost dying on the table and having a near-death experience. So I don't, but there was this crazy sense of urgency that I had to get it published. Um, And so it was published January 2nd, 2020, went into the hospital for emergency surgery, two weeks later, almost died, near-death experience. I'm back home, healing, COVID hits, and my book gets legs because everyone wants to know about how do they navigate COVID? You know, how do they navigate the emotional and psychological aspects of this unprecedented global pandemic that none of us had ever experienced? And so I guess back to your question, it's if you're feeling a call, there is a window, Mm -hmm. there is a window and a threshold and i think it's very much a a sense of intimacy intimacy with self to to step across that threshold and say yes i'm the one and to enter into that interesting cocoon of creativity where it's just you you and the computer and accessing a higher sense of self with a writing it was profound it was truly profound, but also lonely. Right. Also lonely. Are you familiar with Natalie Goldberg at all? Oh, writing down the bones, right? Yeah. I attended uh, a workshop of hers in Santa Fe. I think it was writing down the bones, or it might have been Wild Mind. And one of one of them or the other, she was talking about finishing a book and realizing that she was touch starved, mm. and she just needed to be with another human being, and it was like it was urgent and and i remember that <laughs> you just reminded me of that memory i appreciate um, that i appreciate that i mean i <clears throat> i basically um i maybe saw paul my husband half a day on sunday yeah. it was really strange because as a infp i'm an introvert so i really recharge yeah. in solitude i really do that's how that's how it works for me but but I was just realizing I kind of missed out on five months of our relationship because mm-hmm. he became a solo agent. I'm really grateful he he was able to do that because I was subsumed yeah. and immersed. Well, I'm not surprised to find that you and I are the same type. <laughs> you are? Really? <laughs> I'm, INFP too, yeah. I'm not surprised either. Um, which it occurred to me as you were speaking that we haven't even told people what the name of the book is yet where they can find out about it feels like that that should have probably been done in the introduction but we just we we ran with it and here we are Uh, in any case the book is called the wisdom of transition and um, talk to people a little bit about um, you've you've given us some of the ideas of the inspiration for it but talk to us a little bit about what do you feel was the urgency around that what why did it come in so urgently i felt it in my peripheral for a while yeah it's like there are parts of me that were aware that that i was going to be doing something around change and transition i truly didn't know what Mm -hmm. it was when i gave uh 
I was the presenter at an all-employee meeting for an organization up in Berthoud because they just had a leadership change. The general manager had retired. They had a new one and four new division directors. And I think that man had been the general manager for 40 years. Yeah. The, so the organization was, it was turbulent. And they were trying to warm to the new leadership, but they, I think they were really missing yeah. The guy who was very patriarchal, almost like the dad of the organization. So the senior leadership team, I'd done a couple of retreats with them and had coached them. And they said, would you come and speak to all of our folks on what might be happening? Yeah. Like why it might be so hard to let go of the, to let go of Eric and embrace Brad yeah. and his team. So yeah, I sat in the back of the room while they while they kicked off the meeting, and I was, <clears throat> I, I really liked it because I was getting to hang out with the people who didn't want to be there. You know, yeah. the people who were in the very, 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 very back of the room, and 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 it was uh, mostly guys who worked in the field, uh, laying pipe and doing water delivery, and and managed to kind of connect human to human. And then when I was called up, I went forward and I could tell they were surprised, you know, <laughs> that I'd been an ordinary Joe, yeah. but I just stood up and I said, you know, here's what you may be experiencing physically. Here are the physical symptoms that might be present. Here are the emotional symptoms. Here are the psychological symptoms and the mental symptoms. And if you are, please know that you're in good company. Everyone who goes through this kind of change probably experiences that. I mean, some of you may find it very hard to focus and concentrate, may find it very emotional, like angry for no reason or, or unexpected tears for no reason, seemingly. Mm -hmm. And I said, it's, you're going through this big change and here's transition. I explained, I really tried to explain the curve. And the guys in the back of the room were sitting forward in their chairs and the women towards the front a couple yeah. had tears going down their face. And I just, I, I just, I had goosebumps because I felt like I am the right person with the right expertise with this group and, you know, truly, truly here to help transform and heal. And at the end I got a standing ovation, which was incredible. Yeah. And I stayed after they were having a barbecue out in the lot. So I stayed around for about three hours and all these people came up to me in the hallway and said, thank you. Yeah. You have no idea. Thank you for naming it. Cause I have felt so guilty for missing Eric and resisting this. And now I understand that's okay. And I'm not a bad person and I will be back. Yeah. I will be back. So that was the motivation for me. Okay. You know, because in that moment with the standing ovation, it was this sense of boom, something landed. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Woo. I can even feel it now coursing up and down um, my neck and head, that sense of recognition that I'm supposed to get the word out. And I think the best way to do that is a book. So, Good. yeah, that's how it transpired. It was just a uh, sense of boom, knowing yeah. and responding to the call and the sense of urgency. I mean, I don't know, kind of above my pay grade, but I think it has a lot to do with COVID. Mm. Well, first of all, I think it had a lot to do with an unexpected perforated ulcer, <laughs> emergency surgery, pretty much almost dying and having a near-death experience, yeah. recovering because 
if I wouldn't have done it, then the book wouldn't have been done and I would have been healing and COVID would have happened. I mean, I think there was this sequential thing that transpired and it was important for me to play my part and get my book out there because, I mean, I couldn't believe it at the end of 2020, I heard from Saba Sound Advice Book Awards out of the UK that 14 brand new authors had been uh, were finalists in their best new author category and from 11 countries and on December 5th they had this adorable zoom celebration they tried to make it really special and anyway my book won yeah cool so I think it has everything to do with timing you yeah know, and the topic and well and just um grace really yeah well, in reading it, 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 it feels like to me that, that it, it could have the same kind of a, a lifespan that a book like The Road Less Traveled had way back when. Mm, wow. And the thing that was really interesting about that was the thing that gave that book legs was that it was given as a gift millions of times. <laughs> and it feels like to me that this, this book, once somebody reads it, they're going to know that everybody in their life probably needs to read it too. And it's going to be something that's going to be shared and given. And and I really feel like that it has that nature about it, just in my own cursory reading of it at this point. But I really feel like that you've got a huge opportunity here. And it's exciting to it's exciting to hear about the, the favorable, you know, uh, feedback from the from Sawa. And um, I wanted to mention uh, the wisdom of transition dot com is the website where you can learn more about the book and about the uh, different stages of adjustment uh, in transition. Um, very valuable information. And it's also a place where you can find the information uh, to get in touch with Cheryl directly. Um, in our correspondence show, we talked a little bit about your own work transitions. You started out as a career coach or you, you were a career coach at one point in your arc. Um, and then you you moved from that more into the executive coaching and the transitional uh, types of consulting and things like that. Can you talk a little bit about that change for you and what facilitate or what uh, what inspired it really? And then how did it transpire? I'd love to. So, <clears throat> do you know? Have you ever heard of outplacement? Mm -hmm. That's a phrase familiar to you. Okay, so I was working for Lee Heck Terrace in Kansas City, which is an outplacement firm. And I was the, I'd gotten promoted to the vice president of client services. But my main job was to conduct a two-day transition, a career transition workshop for everybody who'd been let go, yeah. um, largely to put together a resume and start thinking about accomplishments and and to prepare for interview questions and and how to negotiate your first year's compensation. But what I started to notice was I would start talking about all this stuff, but people's eyes were glazed. Oh. I recognized they were just in pain. You know, it's it's a shock yeah. to be fired through seemingly no fault of your own. Most of these organizations that had let them go was paying for them to find another job because it wasn't a performance issue. They were wanting to flatten yeah. good old Michael Hammer, wanting to flatten the organization. So I had these, I would have like 16 people in a workshop and they'd be 
wanting to pay attention to me out of kindness and deference and respect, but I could tell I couldn't, they were unable to take in any of that unless I addressed where they were. Yeah. And I said, boy, are you in the ending now? And I just talked about I, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's work on death and dying, you know, loss. You're experiencing a tremendous loss. Where are you in that process? Yeah. Are you in shock? Are you in denial? Are you in anger and rage? Are you in blame? I think Elizabeth has bargaining yeah. as a part of her stuff. Are you, are you worried? Are you sad? Where are you? And something about letting them talk about that yeah and and be with that um allow them to go wow i'm seen for where i am yeah and then i was able to talk about okay i so get it i've been i've been fired before i you know i i get it <laughs> you know it's like a sucker punch to the gut but let's let's if it's okay, can we start to move in to this other stuff? And I felt like they were so grateful yeah. that I'd acknowledged that. And I thought, wow. And then I would work with all these people individually. I'd probably have seven to eight people a day Yeah. in my office working on whatever stage of the career transition they were in. And then, but then business started to slow down. And Lee Hecht has said, you know, why don't we take the 40 vice president of client services, send them to MRG in Boston, get them certified as executive coaches. Let's pursue that as a business line. Let's try to provide executive coaching inside yeah. of organizations. So we're not working with people who don't have a job. We're working with people who do have a job, but just want to become more effective where they are or possibly prepare for what's next, like yeah. a promotion. So that's how that transpired. I was just a gift. Yeah, it was a gift. Yeah. And then the first person that I took on as an executive coach hired me away to become her vice president of organizational development, Wow, which was cool as heck. And um, the guy that I had to fire, who was like the person on retainer yeah. to provide organizational development, I uh, must have done a good job firing him that first week because about four years later, he came back and said, what do you think about joining our consulting firm? Would you like to be a faculty? Uh -huh. And I said, what do I know about consulting? And they focused on engineering and architecture. Thought, yeah. What do I know about engineering and architecture? Nothing. But I said, I'd love to. I, I would love to. Yeah. Just knew. So I was ready. I just knew I was ready. And so I joined that firm and boy i tell you what franklin the learning curve was straight up oh, and of it? course there's no compensation yeah. unless you sell something so that was terrifying um but money started coming in and then we got sold to a fmi a consulting firm here in denver and then yeah. the guy who i fired <laughs> said do you want to start our own company uh with two other people we named it morph yeah and that was 12 years ago. So that's how it happened. Okay. Now, since that, since that time, you said about seven years ago, you went ahead and the, the other partners left the practice and you are, you're doing it all on your own now. I love so it. So you are the one in your business, you're one person company. Can you talk a little bit about um, what are the things that you just love about that? 
Oh, I love the autonomy. Oh, I love not having to check with anybody else. I love being able to hire subject matter experts. So, I, I mean, I don't have to know about accounting or invoicing or taxes. I hire brilliant people who do. <laughs> it's so, it was so liberating to realize the stuff I don't enjoy or I don't like or I'm not any good at, I can hire it. Yeah. And then I can focus on on my area of brilliance, which is coaching and leadership development. And, and um, yeah, so, no, I, I love the autonomy and I love the freedom to do whatever I want and to trust my own gut on stuff, to enter into deep work, solve problems, figure it out. Yeah, I typically do a lot of leadership programs. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm um, we just launched one May 3rd and 4th online, but the August and and November and March ones will be in person for 40 engineers. And it's really exciting. It's really yeah. exciting to, to do that. But I've also hired somebody to collaborate with me, which is lovely, but they're not an employee. I don't like being burdened by that. I don't like, I and mean, that's why I really love the, 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 the demographic of your podcast. I don't like the burden of employees. Yeah. I don't like the feeling of, oh God, I've got to go get enough business to put food in their mouth or pay their mortgage. No, thank you. Yeah. I'm not interested in that. I don't, also don't like bricks and mortar. I don't like overhead. I like just, I like doing the work, getting a paycheck and it all comes to me. Thank yeah. you very much. So, so those are some of the benefits and some of the features that are, that are adorable about it. And I share those uh, sentiments with you almost to the letter. <laughs> I am curious though, um, as you have gotten adjusted to being on your own, what were the, what were the challenging times? I think initially it would have been nice to have checked in with someone. Yeah and said, hey, what do you think? Could you weigh in on this? That was a surprise because I was used to the, the guy who I fired, who I then partnered with, was well over a decade older than me. And so he had a lot of experience as a consultant. So I was used to bouncing ideas off of him. So I would say that initially, maybe the first couple of months, it was a sense of, wow, um, I need to collaborate with myself. Mm -hmm. And this is a very intimate kind of thing. And I actually grew to love it very quickly. Wonderful. Um, have you, have you found that creating a support network around you has been important? I haven't really done that. Yeah. I haven't really done that. I did it in Kansas City when I worked there. I had quite the network yeah. that I invested in. When I lived in Ireland, I had quite the network that I invested in. When I lived in Southern California, that was all I did. Oh, you know, really? just really, because I was in business development at the time. So it was all about creating an external network. I think it was when we moved to Colorado. I guess I just love where we live so much that I can hardly wait to get home. <laughs> so the idea, I haven't really, I mean, um, I've flirted with the idea of the think tank that we're both aware of yes. for small businesses. And I'm considering that as rather a novel idea. 
Yeah, no, I haven't. I ha one would think that would be a smart move. Well, it is for some people. And I haven't but done not it. Everyone. No. I find that I love having the time to replenish, be in these beautiful mountains of ours. Yeah. I find I don't really need that. Yeah. Um, talk to me a little bit about what you would direct someone to do if they had gone ahead and, and made the commitment to go into their, their dream career path and they found that they didn't like it very much or they found that, um, that they were disappointed mm. with it, what mm. would you say to that person? Do you have some of those? I do. Mm. Uh, and I think, a, I think a big part of it, after reading what I've read of your book, it, it ties right in with that they're going down into the, okay. into the bottom. And there is a time period where there's some disillusionment Yes, there is. And I, I want people to understand that that may be an important part of their transition, but it doesn't necessarily mean they've made a mistake. And I'm kind mm. of curious about where you would, where, we, where would you lead them? Hmm. I, I appreciate what you're saying. There can be some disillusionments. Um, boy, I have about 500 thoughts in my head right now. I know that when I've gone through really big changes and transitions, that 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 I've I've looked for fables or stories to give succor mm -hmm. or or um, comfort or insight into the process. I know when I was going through one of my biggest ones. I looked to the oldest Sumerian tale called Inanna, how she went through the seven gates of initiation right. down into the dark, under the ground, where she stayed, where she connected with herself and her sister Rishnagil until she rose back up to be the goddess of the sun. And I appreciated that she was underground. Mm and i appreciated that it was in the dark not dark being a scary awful thing but dark being kind of cool away from scrutiny because there's something so vulnerable really yeah. about about pursuing your dream and i think being able to provide time to be underground far away from prying eyes and scrutiny and and having to live up to anybody else's expectations it's such an intimate thing and it's such a quiet thing uh, that there's something to be said for giving yourself permission to wilt and bulb right you know, and just just exactly the way a flower does. You know, they wilt, they go deeply underground. They're in the bulb, ah, far, far away from from any demands. And then when they feel the stirring of the sun, comes back up and becomes a green shoot and a plant. I think it's vital to to have time underground. I mean, if you look at the metamorphosis of a butterfly, mm -hmm. starts out the caterpillar, goes into the cocoon, and basically becomes liquid goo, that's deeply disconcerting, <laughs> I'm sure. Like, who am I? I bear no resemblance to, to what I thought I was going to be. I thought I was going to be a butterfly. What happened? Yeah. 
And then, you know, add to that, once finally the butterfly is formed, it has to squeeze its way through that very small opening. And that's intentional so that the blood will get forced to the edges of the wings so that it can fly. I remember reading a story once, it was almost like a Zen Cohen, where somebody saw the butterfly struggling to get out of the hole. And I thought, let me open the hole so it's bigger. The, The creature climbed out and fell onto the ground because it hadn't gone through that seemingly arduous excruciating process of squeezing itself out to get all the blood to the edges so that it could fly so it's not easy the pursuing of a dream it takes courage and it's lonely because often you're the one imbued with a vision and everybody else might think you're crazy like why are why what you're leaving your full what you you know (laughs) but one of the things that i've done back in the day when i was a career coach say okay you know if you're considering the pursuit of a dream and it's a departure from what you've done before you might consider if you've got a job as as the like imagine a stove and you've got a pot on the front burner and it's boiling and you're tending to it and stirring it i liken that to your job but if you could take a pot and put it on the back burner fill it with ingredients and liquid tend to it periodically get it to where it's simmering like you've taken whatever classes you need you're you're ready you're you're really feel like you've done everything you can to get that back burner pot ready then it's so much easier to move the pot that's on the front burner off move the pot that's on the back burner up it's already simmering doesn't take much to go from a simmer to a boil sure takes a lot to go from cold to to a boil and so to me most of us worry about income you know good old good old maslow's hierarchy of needs we worry about survival safety security boy those are bedrock and when we haven't taken care of that for ourselves before we pursue the dream we put undue pressure on ourselves to perform so i think also having some money in the bank for a period of time so you could last for a year if possible without having to rely on the dream generating income Boy, I think that would be ideal. So you're not making it harder on yourself. Yeah, eliminate as much of that that pressure as you can, right? As you can. So you're just pure. It's just you and the dream in relationship with each other because it will inform you every day how, how it wants to manifest. And I'm all about manifestation, but I tell you what, before I do anything, I create a vision board. Yeah. I mean, I studied that when I was 13, took a class with my mom and stepdad offered by um, Maxwell Maltz on his book, Psycho-Cybernetics. Oh my gosh, yeah. Do you remember that? that? Yeah, my dad had that book. And I I remember reading it when I was in college. I don't think, I mean, I weren't any pictures. It was pretty dense, but I do remember from that class that if you want to manifest your dream, create a vision border and i think the language then was a treasure map i mean i could show you mine right here it's got (laughs) images that 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 are 
connote life and energy and excitement as you move towards the fulfillment of that. And I use affirmations and, and I, when I look at this, I get excited because it's, whew, it's drawing me to that reality. So I work a lot with manifesting um, because it's a real thing. Things show up in the unseen reality, non-ordinary reality before they manifest here. And it's tending to them before they're here. Kind of like you would tend to a little bulb in the ground before it shows signs of life. It's there. You just don't quite see it yet. Yeah. And and it's complete as it is, right? As it is. Wow. Um, This has been just fantastic. And I'm aware of our time uh, reaching an end. But I wanted to ask one more question, and that is, what's next for you? Don't laugh. I'm going to do a podcast, Franklin. Hey, cool. I'm going to do a podcast. Yeah, the name is The In-Between. I'm intrigued by all of the transformations that have become transformational. Ah, very good. Uh, Exactly what we started talking about. I want to dive into. Like, I want to talk to people about how is it that you entered transition and the ending and emerged into the new beginning, a whole new enlightened version of yourself? I'm intrigued about that. Yeah. And so I'm imagining that the content from the podcast will become book number two. Won't that be fun? I would hope so, yeah. Like I could have a chapter. I'm visualizing a chapter on each person that I engage with and it becomes more like a chicken soup for the soul or more like a pick it up, read all about Franklin's experience. You feel replenished, recharged, and then go about your day rather than a book you read from cover to cover. This just sounds wonderful. I'm getting goosebumps as you talk about it. I'm Are excited you? to hear it. So Are you, you need to make sure that you let me know so that I can let other people know when that podcast is out. And I'll remind people again, the wisdom of transition.com uh, is where you can find out more about Cheryl and the book and, um, and the diagrams of the, the going into the deep and going underground and then coming back up again. And um, it's just fascinating, fascinating stuff. And I would recommend it to anyone. Um, And um, Cheryl, is there anything else that you would want to say before we finish? This has been a delight. Thank you. Yeah, me too. Thank you. I, uh, I think we may have to have a round two at some point. I'd love that. Excellent. People who work alone aren't antisocial, at least not most of us. If people think you're weird because you don't want to grow a big company and you'd rather spend most of your time working by yourself, you're just hanging around the wrong people. Your own best company has a Facebook group that you're invited to join right now. We understand the urge to close the door, let your imagination run wild, and stay there until your creative impulse runs its course. We also understand the features and challenges that go along with running a business to support our solo flight lifestyles. Joining the group is free and it's as easy as clicking the link in the channel description. So go there now and just join the group. Want to hear more where this came from? Subscribe to your own best company on your favorite podcast app or on the Franklin Taggart Coaching and Consulting YouTube channel. To get in touch with Franklin, send an email to yobc at franklintaggart.com. Thanks for listening.